It's time to find out the stories behind the stories. Welcome to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. Get ready for some amazing guests, along with Nick's own expertise and insight behind some of today's top news in sports. The where, why, and how. Now, here's your host, Nick Ferguson. Excellent Thursday afternoon, wherever you are around these United States. Hopefully, you're not on a frigid East Coast. Thank you once again. This is Voice America Sports. I'm your host, Nick Ferguson. As usual, I'm joined by my co-host, Mario Vitanza. You can find him at milehighmario.com. You can find me at nickferguson underscore 25. Mario, what's going on? Man, what an incredible weekend for sports, Mr. Ferguson. Dang. That, I mean, I, I was glued to my couch, man. I never left the house. Well, I'll tell you what. It was a very exciting week around sports from NFL to college football. So let's jump in it right away. Florida State, Auburn. Now, Auburn went into this game as the underdog. But from my, my standpoint, I didn't see him as being an underdog. You're talking about a team that mashed on Alabama and Mizzou in the SEC title game. Trey Mason and Nick Marshall in an explosive offense facing Jim Bo Fisher and the Seminoles of Florida State. Hey, it was, it, was a, it was an exceptional game, and I thought at the very beginning, Jameis Winston looked a little out of sync. The offensive line was doing a great job protecting him up front, and he was just trying to do too much. And he said in his post-game interview, he was trying to do that very thing but I think once he settled down, they started to make some plays. But it, but it was an exciting game. Exciting game to watch. Yeah, it was unbelievable. And you know what? I had never gotten a chance throughout the season to really take a good look at the running back that Trey Mason is. And, man, let me tell you what. Going up against that Florida State defense that had just demolished everybody they played all season. Granted, they were in the ACC. And we can get into talks about ACC versus SEC as a conference. But bottom line is, man... Trey Mason, in my mind, when he declares for the draft, has got to be a top 10 pick. This is a difference maker. The way he's built exactly like a running back. He can run you over. He could run around you. He could juke you out of your shoes. He could spin away from you. I was very impressed by him. But the one thing, and this is going to be the play that everybody talks about, and obviously hindsight's twenty twenty. but when he broke that late touchdown, Nick, should he have gone down, milked the clock a little bit? In my opinion, <clears throat> excuse me, I say no. Points are very hard to come by against the Florida State, and obviously they were pushing 30 in that game. But you see that end zone, it's wide open, it's hard not to take it. And obviously you say, oh yeah, James Winston has like a minute 10 to go down the field and with that one long pass play that he had to green. It put him into field goal range, and then he got him closer and closer. Obviously they needed more than a field goal. But bottom line, should Trey Mason have had the wherewithal to go down before the goal line? Well, I'm going to tell you what. We're going to get back with that in a second. I'm going to give you my input. But right now, joining us from Atlanta, former Georgia Tech standout, Donnie Davis is on the line. Donnie, are you there? What's happening, Nick? I'm here, man. Ladies and gentlemen, Donnie Davis, welcome into the show. <laughs> so 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 uh you know donnie we, we try to do it as big as we, we we can here and thanks for joining us i know you're a really busy guy listen uh you play quarterback at georgia tech and speaking of that georgia tech is going through a little transition of, of, of their own uh they're going they, paul johnson's a head coach and they don't play a traditional offense that everyone's come to know and and you he, he, here's a guy that i believe you know pretty well uh, Van Lee earlier this week decided that he was going to transfer after Georgia Tech lost in the Music City Bowl to Ole Miss. Give me your take on the idea of him being a black quarterback at Georgia Tech and the fact that he decided to transfer. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a great question. I want to thank you guys for, for definitely having me on today. But, um, yeah, it is a different dynamic, as, as you said, Nick. And, uh, you know, being a quarterback at Georgia Tech and, and – um, you know, it has demands already academically, socially, all that that goes around with it. And then, um, you know, being in Atlanta, um, being an, a black quarterback has a, a whole nother set of uh, um, rules and has a whole nother dynamic to the piece of the puzzle as well. And, um, you know, as you said, with the system that VAD is, is now in or was in, 
Um, I think he just felt like, hey, I don't know where I'm going to go with this thing. Um, right. And we also, you know, dealing with a situation where uh, it, at times I know he felt like the, the uh, blame wasn't distributed evenly. And at mm-hmm. times I don't think he felt like the coaches took their responsibility in whatever was going on. So I think just a lot was happening at the time with the guy. And, um, you know, I think he made a good decision to, uh, to uh, go another route. If you just joined us, we're talking to former Georgia Tech standout quarterback Donnie Davis. You can find him on Facebook at Option uh, 13. Now, Donnie, tell me how difficult is it for a quarterback being as though, you know, the mechanics and the footwork is the basic building box of any quarterback. To know that Georgia Tech really didn't have a quarterback coach, how did that affect the development of Vad Lee? Yeah, I think it was a huge huge hindrance because – the thing that really burned me up, and let's say, you know, barbershop talk, is when people would say, you know, uh, oh, Vad missed the wide open guy, or, or uh, you know, he didn't look too sharp throwing the ball. And that, that's commentators on TV as well. But um, imagine going through, as you know, Nick, you know, a 22-24 period practice, right. and you may have five minutes worth of throwing the ball. You're not right. going to be good when it comes, you know, game time. It's just not going to happen consistently. Either you're going to have it or you're not. But I think they really handcuffed the kid in that, um, you know, all of your footwork for, that, for the option offense is totally different than a guy that is in a traditional offense that runs the option occasionally. So, um, you know, I, I just think personally, I, I think he, he is a great athlete, great young man, can throw the ball, can run the ball. Um, you know, one of the best true athletes that have come out of North Carolina and, uh, you know, I personally think that he was, he was hindered tremendously because of that. We're on the phone with Donnie Davis, former standout quarterback at Georgia Tech, talking a little bit about Vadley and his recent decision to uh, transfer. Real quickly before we get out of here, got 30, about, about 30 seconds. Uh, tell me in your own opinion, if, if you could talk to Vad personally right now, what would you say to him? Well, I would tell him just to think, think about his future and not necessarily about what's going on on the field. Um, I know that's difficult, you know, 19, 20, 21 years old, but definitely think about, um, you know, you, you only do college when you do college. Now, whether you go back to right. do it or do it at the time, but think of the experience as well. And um, don't worry about anyone else because at the end of the day, he's the one that has to look himself in the mirror. So, uh, you know, make up his mind, do what he does, have no regrets, push on and have fun. So, um, he didn't feel like he was having that at Georgia Tech, so more power to him, and I support him 100%. Well, thank you, Donnie, for, for joining us. Uh, I want to have you back on the show to talk about uh, the recruiting process because signing day is around the corner. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Donnie Davis, former Georgia Tech Yellow Jacket standout quarterback. You can find him on Facebook at Option13. Support the brother because I will. Donnie, once again, thank you for being on the show. Hey, I appreciate you guys. Anytime. Thanks a lot. Hey, thanks a lot, Donnie. Thank you. All right. I believe now, uh, Justin, we have uh, Frank Oakham on the phone. Frank, are you there? Uh, Yes, I am. As always, we always have some of the top guests around the country calling and chime in with Mario and myself. Right now, like I said, we have Frank Oakham, former standout at the Houston Texans and the Texas Longhorns. Frank, we had you on the show before talking about how uh, we figured that your old coach, Mac Brown, was being forced out of Texas. Now, we have you on talking about the fact that Charlie Strong has now been introduced as the new head coach of the Texas Longhorn. What does this mean for college football as a whole now that you have in the state of Texas two black head coaches, Charlie Strong at Texas and Kevin Sumlin at Texas A&M? Um, I think what you see right now is a huge, uh, a huge moment in um, college football history, in my opinion. Um, historically, Texas has been one of the top programs in the nation in college football, and to have an African American at the top of one of the premier programs says a lot about the progression that is taking place in our country. You know what I mean? And, and when you look at Charlie Strong. And you look at his, his pedigree, as, as most people like to, to call it. I mean, defensive coordinator, University of Florida. He goes to Louisville and changed that program around. We saw what Teddy Bridgewater was able to do 
and, and that offense. Now he jumps ship and he goes to, to Texas. And Mac Brown had a problem uh, with recruiting. Uh, talk about Mac Brown, not Mac Brown, excuse me, Charlie Strong's ability to recruit that Texas area. Well, uh, actually, when I was in college, uh, Charlie Strong had recruited me. Uh, I actually took one of my official visits to the University of Florida while he was there. Um, so um, he's, uh, he's very talented in his approach uh, and his style of recruiting. He's a very straightforward guy. Um, tells you the things that are important to you, the intriguing values that you know, he wants to bestow upon the kids. Education is clearly one of his strong suits. Um, he actually demands that every every kid go to class and, you know, go ahead and graduate if you have enough time while you're there at the university. But um, being able to know that he knows the Florida area, uh, also the great influence the University of Texas has on the state of Texas and their recruits, uh, to me it's going to be um, the learning curve won't be long and it'll be one that he can pick up very quickly and uh, help get Texas back to, uh, to national prominence. If you just joined us, we're talking to former Longhorn standout Frank Oakham, talking about the recent hire of Charlie Strong at his uh, uh, Longhorn school. Now, now, Frank, tell me this. Let's just say, let's fast forward a little, and let's try to play a little devil's advocate. If Charlie Strong finishes up 8-5, and five, and he say he doesn't win the Big 12, and obviously – at 8-5, that's not going to put you in the BCS National Championship game. Well, there's no longer the BCS. Uh, it's going to be a new system now. Let's just say he's not a Big, big 12 ch- uh, Conference champion winner, and he's not in the national title race. Uh, what do you think the fan base and alumni would now say about Charlie Strong? You know, I can't speak for the entire fan base. The one thing I do know at my time at the University of Texas uh, my junior year, we went ten and three, and people will call us a blood. So this right. is obviously a, a university that wants to win and wants to be competitive for the national championship every year. So to me, obviously, eight and five is is no good at University of Texas, whether you're Mac Brown or Charlie Strong. Um, I do believe, though, in that this being his first year, and if that does happen to turn out to be his record, people will actually have to give him a couple of years to be more patient to, to allow him to. And to me, at least get one recruiting class through his program. Uh, to me, you usually can't judge a ranked recruiting class until they're seniors. And that would determine whether that recruiting class was a number one recruiting class or number five or number ten, so on and so forth. So to me, you have to at least allow him to get through his contract to see the type of changes and the influence he would have at the University of Texas. So, so well, without a game being played or a recruiting class or top recruiting class being announced, what would you say that his success rate would be as far as uh, kind of a bold predictor of a possible record for uh, the Longhorns in 2014? Well, if, when you look at what they did in 2013, um, you have to keep in mind that they were half away from winning the Big 12 championship and playing in the Fiesta Bowl. Um, after they had had the early collapse in the early season and they switched defense to coordinators, to me, they were one of the top defenses in the nation. Now, losing, you know, Jackson Jeffcoat, the All-American, does hurt them. Um, but to me, there were a lot of young players who were getting a lot of playing time, especially because of injuries, who uh, got to make their mark on their team. The one thing I know from training down there this past summer is there's not a lack of talent down there. Right. There's a lot of talent down there with the players they have now and with the ones that are coming in for the future, um, especially at the quarterback position. Um, the future with the, the kid from, from Denton up in uh, the North Dallas area, um, back-to-back state championships. So um, it, it's going to be something to me that uh, if, I'm, if I can make a prediction to me, I don't see them having games where they're not going to be competitive in any, in any game that they play. So to me, as long as you have a chance in every fourth quarter, uh, at the University of Texas, to me, I think they'll be competitive to compete for the Big 12 championship next year. As far as records go, I can't give you a, a record or a win-loss thing. I just feel like they'll be competitive in every single game they step on the field. All right. Really quickly, Frank, before we go to break, uh, huge games around the NFL this weekend. I'll toss out one game in particular, and you tell me, in your opinion, who wins the game. You have New Orleans traveling to Seattle. Who do you have winning that game? Um, knowing the Seattle Seahawks and their culture, 
and the, the 12th man impact they have there, it's going to be very hard for me to pick against them. Um, this is something they prepared themselves all year for. I know the, the week off can sometimes make people think you're a pure sluggish. To me, I think they'll hone in their focus. I expect the game to be very competitive, but I do expect the Seahawks to pull it out. Well, there you go. Ladies and gentlemen, you heard the input from Frank Oakham, former Texas Longhorn standout on his NFL prediction and Charlie Strong being hired as the new head coach of the Texas Longhorns. Frank, thank you for joining the show as always. Thank you, Nick. Appreciate it. No problem. There it is. Well, we're, up, we're up against a break right now, but after the break, Mara's going to tell you about uh, Florida State and Auburn, and also we're going to jump into some other top news around the NFL. You listen to Voice America Sports. This is Secondary Respective. <laughs> Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickfergshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Voice America Sports, Nick Ferguson, Secondary Perspective. Uh, we had two great guests on that just joined us, Frank Oakham from Texas Longhorns and former Georgia Tech standout quarterback Donnie, Donnie Davis. You know, we aim to uh, entertain on this show, and I think I have something uh, uh-oh. That's Uh-oh. right. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You know what that means. Justin, give me that beat. <laughs> I have been trying and trying to get that song on our show for the last month and a half. And finally, it happens, and I can't even handle it right now. I had to stop singing along because I was laughing too hard. You know, I have to give it up to uh, Justin Engineer for uh, getting that done uh, yeah, for us. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> it, it is... You know, Thursday, so throwback Thursdays, we, and we try to entertain on this show. And I know that uh, our, both our loyal listeners and our new listeners, uh, thank you for joining us, new listeners. Uh, I know you guys were riding, you know, in your car, sitting in your cubicles, doing whatever you're doing, sitting on the commode. I mean, TMI too much of that. But uh, probably bouncing and shaking your head and remembering. I remember where I was when I first heard that, first heard that song. Uh, Mario, before we had our guests on, you, you started to jump into Florida State and Auburn. I want to let you go ahead and, and finish that, that statement. 
Yeah, and real quick before I get into that, Nick, I mean, if you want to call me Paul McCartney, I can call you Stevie Wonder. It's fine. Hey, that's fine. I'll take it. Both, <laughs> both, both are very talented individuals. And, you know, you know, we all kind of the, the, the filling of the Oreo cookie and the outside crust of the cookie as well. So I can take that. <laughs> we could just say the, the outlook of this show, like our future is so bright that it blinded you. Yeah, yeah. Call it, call it what you want to. Call it what you want to. But, but, but call it hilarious. All right, man. Here's the thing. You go in, and uh, I recorded the game, so I watched it twice, man. I'll tell you what. Nobody, even the announcers, especially the announcers, expected Auburn to be in this game, let alone be leading 21-10 at halftime. And I remember him saying, you know, for the Auburn Tigers, it was all about making the Florida State Seminoles play into the fourth quarter. And I'm and, and they said that several times, Nick. And I'm thinking, right. why why would that be their goal? Like I have a very hard time believing that a team playing for the national championship on the biggest stage in college football against the Heisman Trophy winner is trying to simply make it a close game into the fourth quarter. Like, are, are you serious? And obviously, if that's what they were trying to accomplish, then, you know, hats off to Auburn. They made it a game all for, for the entire four quarters. It was close the entire time. But not once did the announcers bring up and say, oh, it is their goal to not only beat them, but to run Trey Mason down their throats, to... Wow to air the ball out with Nick Marshall, which they were doing at the beginning of the game, and then they stopped doing in the second half. And I think that was the big difference maker. Auburn, and we hear it so often, Auburn played to not lose the game. They did not play to win the game. That's why you saw Nick Marshall throwing a lot less. That's why you saw these runs to Trey Mason being a little vanilla for the most part. They weren't trying to throw the Florida State defense off and confuse them the way that we saw in the first half. And the last play that I'm going to talk about, and then I'll let you get in here, Nick, the very first drive for Auburn, they had a wide open receiver right down the middle. And I want to say that it was, uh, I believe it was Coates. He was running right down the middle of the field. They had like, it was the uh, fake handoff, fake end around. And Nick Marshall just left him short could he have caught it yeah but if Nick Marshall leads him and makes the throw he's supposed to then it's a touchdown and it's it's a catch that could have been made it it still would have been like a 25 to 30 yard gain but man you go out on your first possession I realized that they dominated the first quarter dominated the first half not first quarter but first half you score on your very first drive that sends a message and of course it's just seven more points on the board. So those are just some things that stuck out in my mind. Uh, but really, I just had a huge problem with the way that they approached that game, if it's true, and that is the approach that they took. Well, I'll tell you this. Watching you know, Auburn, I know everyone raves about the SEC being able to play uh, defense. That's something I didn't see from the SEC all season. I don't care if it was Mizzou, Texas A&M, uh, Bama. And you know that's been one of the main staples of Nick Saban playing great special teams and defense. I really didn't see that. And looking at the matchup between Florida State and Auburn, I, I thought they were evenly matched up. Uh, great running backs, great quarterbacks, a, de- a defense that's aggressive, get downhill and they get after uh, one another. But it was to end the BCS era, the way that you started, with Florida State you know, pretty much winning uh, several national championships, I thought it was great. It was a great game to watch. It wasn't what we watched last year when we had to sit through and suffer through watching Alabama just kind of destroy Notre Dame. I mean, that, that was the worst BCS game I watched because I was like, well, why is Notre Dame even here? But this, this game was really impressive. It went down to the wire just as though uh, the Packers and San Francisco game went down to, to the wire. And, and that's why... I love sports. That's why I love sports at this point of the season. The same, I can say the same thing for the baseball after the, I guess, the the all-star break. Once you get into October, things start to speed up. That's what I like to tune into sports and watch. I don't want to see a team get mopped up and down the field or the court. I want to see some guys really compete and really, 
you know, get after it. So I was really impressed to watch Jameis Winston after struggling in the first half, move the ball down the field, didn't panic. And he, he was that same fun-loving kid that we would see in the locker rooms at halftime, post-game interviews. And to see him just move the ball down the field with ease and with poise and with patience and not panic, that was great. I, I just think it was great for not just for the ACC, but college football as a whole. Absolutely. And what a fantastic way for the BCS to go out. I mean, we could talk for days and talk to death about how flawed their system was and how we didn't think the right team would get in there like Notre Dame, for instance, last year. There were very few people that legitimately thought that Notre Dame deserved to be in the national championship last year. But they finally (laughs) that's I know that it was a joke, man. It was hilarious how bad they played. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> but I'm saying if they finally seem like they got it right and we have had a handful of BCS national championship games that just got out of hand and it did not pit the two best college football teams against one another. And honestly, man, it's good to see someone outside of the state of Alabama yes. win a national championship game, whether it's Alabama or Auburn. And they've dominated it for so long. And I mean, it's just nice to see it go. And you as an ACC guy, Nick, you must love the fact that, you know, this ACC team that Florida State really not getting a lot of love at the beginning of the season just was beating the tar out of. I don't think that they had uh, a single digit victory until the national championship game. It was all double digit wins every week. And obviously the first time that a rookie or not a rookie, a freshman Heisman winner has ever led his team to a national championship. It's a fantastic story and what a great way for the BS to, the BCS to go out. But see, this is how it's going to be remembered. When we look back on the BCS 20, 30 years from now, we're going to say, oh, what a fantastic game this was. And right. people are going to forget how truly flawed the system was. Well, speaking of a little love, I believe we have a call on the line. Roma, are you still there? Well, yes, I am, young fella. How you doing? I am doing well. What do you want to talk about? Well, it said that you guys stole my shine, so now I got to throw you a curveball. Uh, okay. Mr. Ferguson, I've been following you over the years, and I, and I was wondering, you know, being at who you are in sports, right? do you feel that you can come to the NFL and coach, you know what I'm saying, on, on defense and um, make a difference? Because, you know, the Dolphins really do need you. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I can do is, do is laugh at that, Roman. Thanks for the call. Uh, well, you know what? To answer that, yeah, uh, I've had an inch to, to coach. Uh, every time I, I, watch, I watch a game, you know, and I watch poor or bad play as far as safeties with their visions, uh, poor tackling, which is seem like it's running rapid in the NFL these days. Yeah, I, I do get a little upset, and I and I ask myself, well, what are these guys being coached? Are they taking coaching? Are they taking what they're learning from the classroom and taking it to the field and learning how to execute it? Because it, it, I don't know about you, Mario, but it's become really comical to me to see guys do this thing that's called block tackling. For those who don't know, it's where you run into another man. And just throw your body into them and you don't even wrap up. That's not tackling. And, you know, and I get upset when I see that. And and I'm like, man, I need to be out there teaching these guys the basic fundamental of football. And that's tackling. I don't know about you, Mario. I'll let you answer. So if you are out there and you are in charge of a football team or you have an in, Mr. Nick Ferguson, who stood just under six feet tall, just over 200 pounds, in my opinion, one of the one of the better form tacklers that I had seen in a long time. And you're absolutely right, Nick, especially in this day and age where concussions and torn ACLs and all these terrible injuries are becoming such an issue in the NFL. And now we're having the, the play 60 stuff where, you know, you got to teach these young kids to tackle with their heads up. It's got to start young because they're men in the NFL who do not tackle the correct way, who do not tackle properly. And I think you bring up a great point. And so why not somebody like the great Nick Ferguson? Not that this is uh, promoting him or that I'm biased or anything, but give the man a chance. Hey, 
There it is. <laughs> there it I is. I guess uh, unsolicited uh, support for Nick Ferguson to go into the, the ranks of, of, of coaching. I would definitely love to do that. I believe I have a lot of information uh, to share, you know. But right now we're doing our online thing with the radio. Uh, and let's shift into really quickly uh, the playoffs. Now, uh, like I said, last week, fun, fun, fun weekend in both college and NFL sports. But some big games slated for this weekend. 49ers at the Panthers. What's your take, Mario? Ah, man. Here's the thing. I really like what the Panthers have done this year, and they turned it around, and it seems like they've become a completely different team. That having been said, uh, it's a rematch of what we saw. I think the Niners were embarrassed. They did not see the end zone. It was not a fun game to watch because, you know, it was a defensive struggle. I like at least a little bit of points on the board. I mean, right. when it's field goal after field goal, it's difficult to watch. And I'm going to take my hat off, and I think Cam Newton has really stepped up into that leadership role. But the 49ers, man, I think they have all the momentum right now. I love the way that they're playing as a team. I think there's no way, especially with Michael Crabtree back, that they are going to get shut out from the end zone like they were a few weeks ago. I see the 49ers going into Carolina, beating this team because – to be perfectly honest, I am not sold on the Panthers. I cannot get over the fact that they are a number two seed. I know that they technically deserved it, but I think they played outside of who they were as a team. Now, I could be wrong, but I, I just don't see the appeal that they have. Their best receiver is a five foot seven aging Steve Smith. And he's coming off of uh, concussion symptoms and or uh, his ankle injury, and he's not going to be 100%. Their best running back is Cam Newton. I, I feel like they're not going to make a legitimate run at a championship until they get him a good weapon to throw to. And I'm sorry, like, as, as good as Olsen is as a tight end and as great as Steve Smith has been for his career – they're just simply not good enough to this point. They're good to uh, win 10, 11, 12 games in a regular season. But when it comes down to playoff football, I understand how important defense is, but he's not going to be, they're not going to be able to score. Cam Newton needs some help. So I see the Niners winning. Well, you know what, Mario, I definitely have to agree with you because when you look at the last meeting between these two teams, you look at the fact that it was a defensive type of game, offensive struggle on both sides. Cam Newton didn't have his great have a great day. Neither did Colin Kaepernick, and the 49ers still had a chance to possibly win that game. But Kaepernick threw a late uh, interception, which allowed the Panthers to win. But when you look at the fact that you know Steve Smith five five ten, call him whatever you, you want to, this guy has a lot of attitude. I mean, he he plays like he's six eight, so I, I I give him that. But he's coming off off injury now. You mentioned the fact that Cam Newton is the only or the best rusher they have. I mean, they have D'Angelo Williams, who's a great running back in, in his own right, but will it be enough to overtake a, a, a surging seven-game winning San Francisco team that now has a, a healthy uh, Michael Crabtree, Anquan Bolden, Vernon Davis, and then you look at that defense, Justin Smith, Alden Smith, and then probably two of the best linebackers to, to play the game. I mean, you have, you have Patrick Willis and you have Navarro Bowman. So, so I, it, it, once again, another defensive struggle. Kaepernick is riding the high from that, that Green Bay game. And I'm going to give them the nod because typically what happened at this part of the year is the team that's the healthiest, that plays defense, and that can run the ball even though the opposing defense is expecting it and they're getting hot at the right time. So I definitely have to give the nod uh, to, to San Francisco. Uh, coming up after the break, we're going to talk a little more NFL talk and then go around uh, the NFL and the, the hottest and latest sports topics. You listen to Voice America Sports, Nick Ferguson, Secondary Perspective. <laughs> The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. Leave the bitches ass and then move on. 
just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. If you're looking for a show that takes you through the process of becoming a successful college athlete, you'll want to tune into Get It Done Sports Radio with host Karif Bird. You'll find out about the how-tos of getting to the next level and the do's and don'ts when preparing for college athletics. It's a complete inside look at what's turning out the next generation of players. Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Sports. Are you a Philly sports fan? Maybe you're local to Philly, or you're a transplanted Philly fan. Either way, you want to check out Philly Sports Jabronis. It's a radio show that has nothing to do with Chicago sports. It's not about NYC, and L.A. can't even muster a football team of their own. It's all about Philly sports, and nothing but Philly sports most of the time. Join your hosts Mike Greger and Joe Dara every Friday at 7 p.m. Philly time, 4 p.m. on the West Coast for the transplants on the Voice America Sports Channel. You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to nickfergshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Oh, yeah, that's right. It is a Thursday. And the weather is a little overcast here in the ATL, but it's all good. We are alive, and thank you for, for joining us. As usual, my partner in crime, Mario Vitanzi. You can find him at Mile High Mario, and you can hit me up at Nick Ferguson underscore 25. Here's something I want to introduce. I want to introduce a, 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 a new segment, Mario, and yes, I want to call it Real Talk. Now, I'm going to throw out some topics. And you give me the first thing that comes to your mind. If you're out there listening, too, you can join in on, on this, too, as well. Hashtag Real Talk. Uh, I want to make this a trending uh, topic, especially this week as we watch uh, the game. So, Mario, here we go. First Real segment, Talk. Real Talk. Bobby Petrino, former head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, who decided to bolt and go to Arkansas. And that's the same guy who was fired for having an affair with one of his staff members in an accident on the back of his motorcycle. Mm-hmm. Mario, Bobby Petrino, what do you have to say? Real talk, man. He's in it for the personal glory, for his own, to be left to his own devices, man. He's not there to help kids in college become better football players or to win football games. He's gotten to that point where it's all about his own personal agenda. And the biggest reason that I think that is, as you referred to, Mr. Ferguson, getting caught having an affair, that whole motorcycle thing. And it it just came off to me as so unbelievably unprofessional and stupid. That is behavior that you would expect from one of these 20-something-year-old kids that is on your football team. What kind of message are you sending them as their head football coach pulling some crap like this? I'm not a fan of his. I never really was. And I, in my opinion, he doesn't have a place in college football or the NFL, for that matter. All right. Colts, second greatest comeback, coming back from a 28-point deficit against the Kansas City Chiefs. What do you got? At at any point, did anybody really count out the Indianapolis Colts? I mean, even when the Chiefs are were rolling them, I know I was on Twitter, man. There were still Chiefs fans out there that were saying, oh, well, it doesn't matter. We still lost Jamal Charles. You know, we're still going to find a way to lose this game. And here's the reason, Nick. These fans have been continuously let down time after time after time. I mean, the last championship that they had ever won was in 1969. So were they excited about the 9-0 start? Absolutely. Were they excited about almost winning the division and making it to the playoffs? Absolutely. But never did they really give their team a legitimate chance to win that game. And a lot of people say, oh, well, it's all thanks to luck. You're absolutely right. (laughs) 
<laughs> Real Talk, if you just join us, this is our new segment called Real Talk. You can get into the conversation, 888-346-9144, or tweet me at NickFerguson underscore 25 and at Mario Mile High, or Mile High Mario, excuse me. Yes, sir. Uh, with, the ha- with the hashtag Real Talk. So, Real Talk, Johnny Manziel entering the NFL draft. Real talk, man. I think that he is going to be a very good NFL quarterback if he could just kind of reel in his crazy side. Now, everybody wants to point out what a party boy he is, his hot girlfriend, you know, missing the Manning quarterback camp because he was allegedly hungover. Here's the thing, Nick. We forget that these are college kids. Are you going to sit there and tell me? And I know how straight laced you are, and I know what a good person you are, Nick, but are you going to tell me? Are you going to tell me that you didn't have a good time in college? That is when you are supposed to have a good time. He's not going to be able to get away with these kind of things when he's in the NFL. He knows that, but the media doesn't know that. They want to blow out of proportion all of this BS that happens. He's a college kid. Let him have some fun. And we talked about this a little bit in our previous shows, Nick. If he goes to a team like Cleveland... He's not going to succeed because it's Cleveland. But if he goes to a Minnesota or if he goes to uh, the New York Jets, I I feel like he could be very successful. If it's Cleveland or if it's Jacksonville, I don't see Johnny Manziel's career going anywhere. But if it's just about any place else, I, I think that he has a long, pretty prominent future in the NFL. And in my opinion, he's a first round pick. All right, we have D holding on the line. D, you you on with Nick Ferguson and Mario Vitanzi. Real talk, what you got for us? Well, this is D Peter Nick Ferg. Real talk. Like I said last week, the Miami Dolphins needed to get rid of Jeff Ireland and Sherman. They finally did it. Maybe, maybe next year a big success with all the bum moves he made for this previous offseason by getting rid of Carlos Dansby, who went out to Arizona and became an all-pro for two slouches and a bum receiver <laughs> who's not getting it done. Thank you, Jeff Ireland, for not getting it done for my Miami Dolphins. And finally, before I go, real talk. Can we get a Dan Marino down there? <laughs> well, D. Prater, thank you for, for, for the call. And, and all I have to say is uh, about that is, you know, I agree with you. I mean, I, I said this before coming into the season. When Miami reached for Mike Wallace, um, Darnell Ellaby, and Philip Wooler, I, I just thought that they were spending too much money trying to follow the blueprint of maybe the New York Yankees. We're going to pay and buy ourselves a championship. But, I mean, you let, you know, Jake Long leave that team. So you left yourself in sort of a pickle. And then with Jeff Ireland, I mean, you know, you look at the draft choices over the years. I mean, let's just say one playoff berth on, under his leadership. I think the record was 41-50. and 50. And also you, you draft, what, six players in the first and second round. None of those players are on your team. So to me, right. that's a recipe to, to get you out of there. I mean, real talk. Now, real now, talk, man. Real talk. Now, continuing with real talk, Cowboys, you know, they paid Tony Romo a lot of money. So now they're facing maybe a kind of uh, being strapped for cash. Real talk. real talk, Mario. Let's get it. <laughs> real talk. And uh, we, we love Tony Romo, don't we, Nick? Oh, yes, we do. And here's the thing, man. We're going to get back to what we've talked about before. Obviously, we got the Romo effect. That is something that Nick Ferguson introduced to me a few weeks ago, and I've just absolutely latched onto it. And I have a Dallas Cowboy friend who is a Cowboy slash Bronco fan, but he's a Cowboy fan first. And I just love rubbing this in his face, man. But you know what? Real talk, Dallas, there is not a better quarterback option out there for you. Obviously, you are going to have Tony Romo as the scapegoat because he is the quarterback, because he has done the things that he has done. But the bottom line, the real talk here, if it wasn't for how terrible their defense was, not only would this team, Mr. Ferguson, have won their division. 
They would have won 11 games, in my opinion, Mr. Ferguson. That is how terrible their defense was. Their offense was good. Their offense didn't have a lot of problems. Did Tony Romo throw some unfortunate interceptions towards the end of the game? Yes. Should they have been running the ball in said situations? Absolutely. You have to change a lot of things in Dallas. But Tony Romo is not one of them. Real talk. All right. To finish up our Real Talk segment, the NFL playoffs, the competition committee and Roger Goodell are considering adding several other teams to the mix as far as the playoffs. For as me, real talk, why do this? If you do this, you're, you're rewarding down stats. You're rewarding a team like a Dallas Cowboys. You're rewarding mediocrity. Yeah, three years in a row, eight and eight. I don't want to say an eight and eight team. If, if you want to get into the playoffs, do it the old-fashioned way. Earn it. Win yeah, your good. division. Yes. So, Mario, real talk, add or not add? Real talk, it takes 17 weeks to find out who is going to make the playoffs and who is going home. And real talk, this year was absolutely exciting. I mean, it seemed like half the games in week 17 actually meant something, Nick. And for the Chargers to get in, it's like they needed the Ravens to lose. They needed the Dolphins to lose. They needed to, you know, have the refs ignore a couple basic penalties so that they could win against the Chiefs. <laughs> then we look in the NFC. The Eagles had a chance to win. It was it was win and get in. Uh, Philadelphia versus Dallas. And then you had Green Bay versus Chicago. Win and get in. Lose and go home. If you add playoff spots, it gets rid of that, that tenacity, of that fire. These teams are going to fall back and they're going to say, we could be really, really good, gentlemen. Or we could just be all right and we'll still make the playoffs. I don't buy into it, man. I think already we got more than enough. You got two wild card teams. That's plenty. You don't need more playoffs than that. You don't want it to become the NBA where half of the teams are getting into the playoffs. Real talk, expanding the playoffs, stupid idea. There you have it. First segment of Real Talk with Nick and Mario. Don't forget to use that hashtag all weekend long while you're watching the playoff games Real talk hashtag. Uh, you can hit him up at Mile High Mario. You can hit me up at Nick Ferguson underscore 25. Uh, we only have uh, about four minutes left, and I want to jump into this uh, big game, I guess, for, for Broncos fans. Uh, they, they're seeing, uh, I guess, that, that bolo tie, whatever you want to call it, uh. for Phillip Rivers and his snakeskin boots. He will surely be wearing them as he returns back to the scene of the crime. In, in Vesco at Mile High, or as they would call it, what, Sports Authority Field now? Uh, I, taking I, on I the Denver. Always call it Mile High. I, you know what? That's what I'm going to call it. Call it Sports Authority. It's Mile High to me. And they'll be taking on uh, Peyton Manning and the Denver Broncos. Now, all week long, uh, you know, I, I've watched the Four Letter Network and everyone talk about the fact of uh, the Chargers' opportunity and chances to, to win and Mike McCoy, Coach Pagano, and they haven't Peyton Manning's number. Before I chime in, I'll let you go real quickly. Go ahead. Everybody is calling the San Diego Chargers a team of destiny. You know what, Nick? I don't believe in teams of destiny. If being a team of destiny means that you need the officials, like I said, to miss a blatant call on an, on an attempted field goal and to blow the play dead in overtime when it shouldn't have been dead and then Eric Weddle gets stripped and the Chiefs run it in for a touchdown, they didn't deserve to be here. Why do you think they play so well against San, Kansas, uh, Cincinnati? They're playing with house money, man. They're, they're putting it all on the table. They're letting it all ride. You honestly think that this Denver Broncos team that went 13-3, and that has the greatest offense in NFL history, they have the quarterback that had the greatest performance in a season for a quarterback in NFL history, they're getting Wes Welker back. They're getting Champ Bailey back. You honestly think that because of a bolo tie, your crappy-ass <laughs> team has the chance to be one of the greatest NFL teams of all time? Get out of here. And the only reason fans are panicking is because of what happened last year against Baltimore. Yeah, man, I get it. Everybody brushed them aside. They were looking forward to New England the following week. That's not going to happen again. Why? Because San Diego came in here a couple weeks ago, prime time on a Thursday. They embarrassed this team. You really think that's going to happen again? No way. 
Trust me, you have nothing to be worried about. Broncos are going to win this game by 20. Real wow, talk. 20 points. Wow. I know, you know what, but I had to drop one more. Well, for a second there, you know, you sound a little like uh, uh, Bart Scott with his uh, can't wait. Can't that's wait. What <laughs> that's what you're sounding like. But you know what? I'll echo the same sentiment. You know, you didn't have Wes Welker playing in the game because he sustained a concussion. Now, they're playing on a short week. Now, was the mentality of the Denver Broncos at that time, well, you know, even if we were to lose to San Diego, we still had an opportunity to capture the number two or number one seed. Now, you throw Champ Bailey into the mix. He hasn't played all season, but now he's back into the fold. You have to figure that it's going to allow Jack Del Rio to do more with his defense. Whether he, that means Champ is going to play outside or they're going to match him up inside on Antonio Gates. But more importantly, going back to that Thursday game, one thing I didn't see the Broncos do is run the ball. Now, I think the regular season is built for quarterbacks and its so-called title of elite quarterbacks and passing league that I, I don't like to buy into. But if you're a quarterback, you want to have great passing stats, that's for the regular season. Now you're in the postseason. You're playing about entirely different rules. So now you have to be able to run the ball. And that offense, Adam Gates' offense, is a pass-first offense with Peyton Manning being the quarterback and the obvious reasons, the offensive weapons. But in this game, moving forward, you need to run the ball. Feature Monty Ball and Sean Moreno. Now, I would feed them and feed them until they are tired. So with that being said, I think the Broncos have an excellent chance to win at home. They're well-rested. They get a lot of players back, and Peyton Manning wants revenge over the bolo tie and the mm-hmm. snakeskin boots that we saw everywhere. I'd like to go ahead and start by thanking, you know, my guest, Donnie Davis, uh, outstanding quarterback at Georgia Tech, and Frank Oakham from Texas Longhorns from joining us. Uh, my callers and the listeners and the tweeters, if you join us for the first time, welcome. Come back next week. We'll be here same bat time, same bat channel. You can find Mario at Mario at mile or at mile high Mario and you can find me at Nick Ferguson underscore 25 and don't forget to get that hashtag trending real talk let's make that something real big voice America sports Nick Ferguson perspective until next time we shall see you guys what a Thanks again for stopping by. Be sure to catch Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. in the West on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll share some more great stories next week.